Turn with your Bibles to John. We're looking today at John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 and 19 through 21. Now we're going to be looking at a lot of different texts, and so if you have your Bibles, you'll want to try to follow along with me. If you did not bring a Bible, we will put the text up on the PowerPoint for you. But I want to encourage you to uh, be, a, be a student of the Word today as we study the book of John together. John 1, 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that your anointing would be upon the scripture today as we study the word of God. Help us to understand, Lord, that just as you called John, you call us to be a witness to the light. John exemplifies for us a life of humility, pointing others to Christ. Help us, Lord, to spend our lives pointing others to Christ. There were times in John's life where he felt unworthy of the call of God, unworthy to tie the sandals of the Messiah's shoes. And yet, throughout, he said yes to you. And help us, Lord, to be a people who say yes to the call of God on our lives. And we pray this in your wonderful, blessed name. Amen. There was a man sent from God. Not a superman, not a supernatural man, not a fictitious hero as often portrayed in many comic strips, but a man. An ordinary guy just like you and me, sent of God. The scripture tells us that John was filled with the Holy Spirit from conception. He was an ordinary man just like you and I, and yet God used him in a mighty way, just as he would like to use us in a mighty way to make a difference in our world. He was a man, not the Messiah. He was a voice, not the word. He was a lamp, not the light. What made John the baptizer so great? As a minister, he had none of the symbols that we associate with success. He did not write any books. Do not confuse this John, John the baptizer, with John the follower of Christ. John who wrote John and First and Second and Third John and Revelation. No, John the baptizer did not write any books. He did not hold any evangelistic crusades where he would travel from city to city. He was probably not a very, very eloquent preacher. Matter of fact, he was probably somewhat redundant in saying, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight the path. At times, he was probably abrasive. And we know that's true because, well, Herod, he decided that his brother's wife was very attractive. And, and uh, so he decided to take his brother's wife as his own. And John spoke up against this injustice this uh, immorality in his day, and because of that, he eventually gave his life. His life was taken from him. So we know at times he couldn't hold his tongue. He was abrasive. We find even when he spoke to the Jews, he said, you know, you you can't just live this way and say you're followers of Christ. He spoke boldly to them, and we'll see that as we read through the Scripture today. 
But John was also somewhat unusual, kind of peculiar, if you will. His clothes, well, he wore camel, camel, camel-haired clothes. He, his diet was made up of uh, locusts and honey. Um, his parents, well, his dad was a Levite. Uh, his father's name was Zechariah, and he was a temple priest. His mom was, Zachar- was uh, Elizabeth, and, of course, she was of the lineage of Aaron. And, of course, we know that Elizabeth and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were cousins, making John the Baptist and Jesus second cousins. So John the Baptist and Jesus were related. Jesus was born six months after John the Baptist, but most likely was killed probably six months prior to the death of Jesus. Just a little bit of background on John and who John was. But John had a call, and that call was from God, and we find it in John 1, 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was sent from God, which gives him the qualification of a true prophet. He received his call directly from God. He was God's mouthpiece. Verse 7 says, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. What was the purpose of John's coming? It was to be a witness to the light, to prepare the way for the Lord. At the time of John's birth, about 400 years had passed since God's last message to the Jewish people. They were looking for the coming of the Messiah. We find this in Malachi, those last words that were spoken those 400 years ago. And since that time, there were no fresh words from the Lord. Religion in John's day had grown quite stale. The Mosaic law was dusty and seemed irrelevant to the people. Life for them was stagnant. The presence of God did not seem to be with them. And so John speaks out in the wilderness at such a time as this. Turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. These words were written some seven centuries prior to the coming of the Messiah. Are are you listening to me? Do you understand this? Some 700 years before Christ was born, these words were written. Do you grasp that? Do you understand this? The prophecy that was given, proclaiming who John the Baptist would be and how he would cry out in the wilderness. Look with me at Isaiah 40, verse 3. It says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for your God. And, of course, he's speaking about John. Like any other, like any, any other person apart from Jesus, Unlike any other person apart from Jesus, John was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Luke tells us about this in Luke chapter 1, verse 14. The angel of the Lord spoke to John's father saying that he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. For us, John's life in the desert seems quite eccentric. But in his world, camel hair clothes and leather belt and a diet of locusts and honey was recognized 
as the characteristic of a holy man. You see, John was an ordinary guy, like you and I, filled with the Holy Spirit and willing to say, yes, Lord, whatever you want. Wherever you want to take me, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And so the Lord calls him in the desert. And in the desert, he finds himself as a voice calling out, prepare the way of the Lord. I have a question for you this morning. Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, wherever you want me to go? You see, John gave up much of the things of this world to be a servant of God. And he said, yes, to God. He was a holy man, and God used him in a mighty way. Through his willingness to be used by God, he became the conscience of an entire nation. That time in which John lived is parallels to our time. You see, there was a great deal of hypocrisy, moral depravity, injustice, and corruption in his day. Just like it is today. There's a great deal of hypocrisy in our world. Are you willing to stand against the hypocrisy and allow your yes to be yes and your no to be no? Are you willing as students to have integrity in your studies? Are you willing as people of God to say yes in your lifestyle, in your actions, in your attitudes, in your thoughts, to say yes to God? Are you attracted to the things of God, to those things which are in the light Are you attracted to the light? Are you attracted to the dark? You see, John was willing to say yes to God. Are you willing to say yes to God? John was willing to stand up against the immorality, the injustice in his world. Are you willing to take a stand against the immorality and the injustice in our world today? Because of John's preaching... He received widespread notoriety. He was a unique preacher, and his unusual practice of baptizing the Jordan River was somewhat of a new concept, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. Why why did God call John? He called him, verse 7, to be a witness to the light. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. Are you willing to be a witness to the light? You see, all of us have a purpose in this life. The scripture tells us very clearly we're all called, we're all sent, we're all commissioned. Here in John, it tells us that we are called to be witnesses to the light. John was called to be a witness, and we also are called to be a witness to the light. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, said that through him, All might believe. We are called to be his witnesses. Not only with our actions and our attitudes and our thoughts. All these are essential. But also with our words. You see we are to bear witness to Christ. We are to share with our words all that Christ is doing in our hearts and our lives. John the Baptist was sent by God to be a witness to the light. Likewise, we are called to be a witness to the light. You see, we're all called. 
The Great Commission says, therefore, go and make disciples. Matthew 28, 10, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're all called to go and make disciples. We're all given the assignment of serving as his ambassadors of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.20 We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Consider that. As though God were making his appeal through us. We live in a world that's broken. Have you noticed? They're hurting people. Individuals who have chosen a road that has left them having a, a hard life. A world full of brokenness and heartache. And we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Do you understand that? That if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you have a responsibility to be an ambassador for Christ. That Christ wants to make his appeal through you. That we are ambassadors of reconciliation. You see, we can extend the grace of God with an arm, with a with a hug. I know I'm not a hugger. With a hug, with a handshake, with a smile, with an encouraging word, we can extend grace to the broken and the hurting. We are called to be Christ's ambassadors of reconciliation. And he makes his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Uh, this, is, this is great stuff. As you look at John's life and you see his willingness to serve, it also speaks to us today. We are commanded to love not only God, but our neighbor as ourselves. The, the great commandment over on the wall. We are also challenged, mandated, if you will, to follow his example of serving others, even as Christ has served us. You see, we're all called, we're all sent, we're all commissioned. We are to be a witness to the light. John the Baptist chose to be a witness to the light in a most unusual way. If you're going to plan a church, one of the first things that you want to do is study the people in the community. You do a demographic study and you try to find out where the people are going, where the community is moving, where they are locating to. And you go and plant a church where the people are. It's the area where you have the greatest potential for growth. Well, John the Baptist did just the opposite. He went out where the people were not. He went out into the desert along the Jordan River. But amazingly, this man who was anointed by God, as he spoke, people became, came to listen. And they began to flood to hear him preach. Mostly Jewish people, Jewish people like him that came from the towns and the villages to hear John preach. The religious leaders wondered, who is this guy? They were concerned about John and, and what he was preaching. They wondered, as these, why are all these people going out into the wilderness? What is it that attracts them? They wondered if John was a good influence or if he was a bad influence on them. So they sent a delegation from Jerusalem to go out and to interview John. 
and to find out about him. They heard about his unusual diet, his unusual dress, and they probably wanted to know if this guy was a kook. You know, is this guy some kind of a nut? What's he doing out there in the wilderness in the first place? You know, that's not where the people are. Why is he in the wilderness? They probably wondered if this guy was preaching heresy. Finally, they probably wondered if this guy was really from God. After all, the people keep going and and flocking to hear him preach. Maybe he is from God. And if he is from God, who is he? So they sent this delegation out to interview John, to do an interview, to, to check out his resume, if you will. Look with me at verse 19 of John chapter 1. Now this, John, now this was John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. Now evidently the first thing they asked John was, hey, are you the Messiah? And he responded, I am not the Messiah. Why would they ask that? Why would they ask, are you the Messiah? Well, remember, the Jewish people had not heard from God for more than 400 years. They were dealing with uh, being oppressed now by the Roman Empire. And they were longing for the coming of the Messiah. A Messiah that would liberate them from their oppressors. Their hope was that just as Moses had liberated the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt, that the promised Messiah would liberate them from their tyranny, the tyranny that they faced in Rome. But John says right from the beginning, I am not the Messiah. Verse 21, they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Why would they ask if you're Elijah? Elijah was a great Jewish prophet. And they asked, are you Elijah? Elijah had been dead for hundreds and hundreds of years. Why would they ask that? Well, turn with me to Malachi, I believe it is. Chapter 4, verse 5. The scripture says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day the Lord comes. And so since Malachi prophesied that Elijah would come before the Messiah, they assumed that this was Elijah or could be Elijah. Now some would say that this Malachi is really talking about the second coming of Christ and not his first coming. But Jesus himself, in Matthew 17, 12, identifies John the Baptist as Elijah. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything that they wished in the same way that the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. So they asked, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Then they asked, are you a prophet? Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Well, who is the prophet? Well, Moses identifies for us in Deuteronomy 18 this prophet. Deuteronomy 18:15 says, "The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like from me, like me from among you, for your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him." So they asked, "Are you Elijah?" He said, "No." "Are you the Messiah?" He said, "No." "Are you Elijah?" He said, "No." Once again, basically they're asking, "Are you the Messiah?" And he says, "No." Moses prophesied that one day God would raise up a prophet to deliver Israel. And the Israelite people were looking for freedom from their bondage. And so it was only natural for them to ask, 
Are you the Messiah? Exasperated, verse 22, they finally asked, Then who in the world are you? Who are you? Give us an answer so that we can take it back to those who sent us. What is it that you say about yourself? And John replies to their frustration in this way. In the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am a voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Are you willing to be a voice? Are you willing to be used of God the way John was willing to be used? What incredible humility that John exhibits to us. He is always pointing them to Jesus. Just a voice. I'm just a voice. Out here in the spiritual wilderness, helping people prepare for the coming of the Messiah. Verse 24. Now the Pharisees who had sent questioned had been sent question him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Why, why are you doing this? Why are you, the people coming out, and, and why are you baptizing Jews? There's no reason for this. You see, this was an unusual practice for them at this time. The, if you were going to be baptized, you were being baptized into the faith. And so... Gentiles who are converting to Judaism, they would from time to time, they would baptize them into the faith. But John was calling upon the Jews to be baptized for the repentance of their sins. And this was an unusual practice, and so it was new to them. And they were wondering, why are you doing this? And they questioned him about his authority to do it. Matthew 3, 9 gives us a little insight into this. John speaks to the followers, the, the Jewish followers, and says, Do you not think that you can you yourself and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father? I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. And in essence, John is saying, Do not think just because your mom and dad are Christians that you're immediately a Christian. Do not think that just because you go to church that you're a Christian. Do not think that just because you're in a Christian nation that you're a Christian. We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. John is saying, is your life exemplary? Of God? Are you producing good fruit? Or is it full of hypocrisy? And so he's calling people to repentance. And they are confessing their sins. And they are being baptized in the Jordan. And they are making ready for the coming of the Messiah. Much in the same way he speaks to us today. Just because mom and dad are Christians doesn't mean that you are. You see, it's a personal faith. We, our churches today all across the U.S. are filled with cultural Christians. People will say, you know, I, I, I believe in the Bible. I go to church. Uh, I, I live in a Christian community. 
but they've never come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. They don't understand the transforming power of God. They don't know what it means to, to walk in the light as He is in the light. They want to say, I'm a Christian, but they want to live like the devil. They want to say, I'm a Christian, but they want to do things their way. They want to say, I'm a Christian, as if taking out a fire insurance policy, but not surrendering to the things of God. And the scripture calls us to bear fruit. To be a people who are willing to stand strong and firm against the injustice and the immorality and the evil in our world. To be set apart for the things and the use of God. John was willing to be used of God. Are you willing to be a witness to the light? To be a follower of Christ? Not just a cultural Christian, but one who has accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and has allowed Him to renew your mind and change you from the inside out. You see, John understood that just because they had the physical lineage of Abraham, that they were the chosen people of God, did not mean that they were right with God. And just because we're raised in the church and we attend the church doesn't mean we're right with God. The audience that John the Baptist was dealing with was much like the audiences we preach to across the U.S. today. Not realizing that they are lost. You see, it's not enough just to know about him. The question is, do you know Him? Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? So He was calling the Jewish people to be baptized and it shocked them. Because this was new. But He was calling them to a place of repentance. And He points them to Jesus' baptism. Verse 26, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one that comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not, unwor- that I am not worthy to untie. We see throughout John's life this great humility, always pointing others to Christ. John's whole ministry was guided by this slogan, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. What a wonderful spirit John had. And that is the spirit that we are to have in being a witness for Christ. Pastor Edgar is going to come and he's going to lead us in a song, Change My Heart, O God. And we're going to stand in a moment, but before we do, I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to be a witness to the light? You see, every one of us in this room are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation. We're to lift up Christ. We're to be a reflection of Him. That happens when we walk in the light as He is in the light. The moon is simply a reflection of the sun. We're simply the lamp, not the light. 
And Jesus wants to shine on you the light of his truth and his word. And he wants you to be a light to your world. Are you willing to be that light, a witness to the light? Are you willing to stand up against the injustices, the immorality, the evil in our society? By not participating, by turning the channel, reading another book, choosing to participate in things that are in the light and not in the darkness. Over the years, I haven't had a whole lot of experience with those bugs. What do they call those big bugs that scatter in the darkness? Cockroaches. But I've had a few occasions where I've been on mission trips and I've slept near cockroaches and they seem to like the dark. But when the light comes on, they scatter. If you're drawn to the darkness, examine your heart. If you're drawn to the things of the light, be a witness to the light. John was an ordinary man, just like you and I, filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. God has given us His Holy Spirit so that we might be salt and light to our world. It may be that today you just say, you know, my life has become stale and stagnant and I need to step into the river and allow the river to wash away the infirmities, our weaknesses. Because I want to be in the light. It may be that you're a cultural Christian and, and you've just kind of grown up in the church. You said, I've always been a Christian, but you've never, ever accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. And today is the day of salvation. We're going to sing together. Change my heart, O oh God. And the altars are open. I encourage you to come for the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Stand and let's sing together. <laughs>